Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, welcome to Free Association. Uh, this is another clip show, but I want to focus for this particular show for the next 30 minutes or so uh, on Dr. Robert Malone, uh, who actually arrived on the podcast circuit or whatever you want to call it about six months ago now in a, a conversation with Brett Weinstein on the Dark Horse podcast. And then he's moved on from there to to be on the war room with Steve Bannon to to have done interviews with the last American vagabond and various other places. So he gets around a bit. He's regular on the war room and he crops up on lots of different podcasts uh, that are investigating and analysing the current situation. I'll put it that way. So... Uh, I'm going to start with uh, a couple of appearances on the war room. Uh, so it's Steve Bannon introducing and then Dr. Robert Malone. We start today with Stephanie Rule, uh, MSNBC. We had uh, Aaron Burnett's meltdown last night. We just had Fauci. The reason we wanted you on, you're such a voice of reason. <laughs> Can you please tell us what in the hell's going on here, sir? So you're right. We've seen uh, a progression of increasingly desperate uh, and abrupt uh, rollouts of information beginning with Pfizer's alert a couple weeks ago that they think we were going to need to have a booster after six months and Fauci reprimanding them and then the government flip-flopping and saying that we were going to have to have boosters for Pfizer recipients uh, after six months in elderly and immunocompromised and and then the bomb dropped last night and I'm afraid that it's it's precisely what I have been concerned about and what I had spoken about on two different podcasts yesterday. So it's pretty ironic. Um, the, it, what you heard Fauci say is the nasal titers are the same in vaccine recipients and unvaccinated. That's a uh, that's selective disclosure, apparently. Uh, nasal titers are a very poor indicator. Uh, as opposed to blood-based titers of infectious virus. What NBC News dropped yesterday was the statement uh, sourced from an unnamed government official that the titers in the vaccinated are actually higher than in the unvaccinated. What does this mean? And why, why do you suddenly see this kind of frantic scramble? This is precisely what one would see if antibody-dependent enhancement were, was happening. What is antibody-dependent enhancement? Briefly, it's that the vaccine causes uh, the virus to become more infectious than would happen in the absence of vaccination, would cause the virus to replicate at higher levels than in the absence of infection. This is, this is the vaccinologist's worst nightmare. Uh, it happened with the respiratory syncytial virus. 
and in the 60s and caused more child deaths in vaccine recipients than unvaccinated. It happened with Dengvaxia, the dengue vaccine. And it's happened with virtually every other coronavirus vaccine development program, certainly in humans, uh, known in history. And it's what the vaccinologists like myself have been warning about since the outset is the risk of antibody-dependent enhancement. Why would it first show up in Pfizer? Pfizer actually probably, we don't actually have the data, but from first principles, the Pfizer dose is about a third of the Moderna dose. And it's likely as an RNA vaccine to express much, much less spike for a shorter period of time than you see with a uh, recombinant adenoviral vector vaccine like Johnson & Johnson. So we now know that the Pfizer protection is waning at six months. And what the data seem to suggest is those have received Pfizer, which is the probably the least immunogenic of the three in terms of durability, length of protection. Uh, people that are now in the waning phase of the immune response to the Pfizer vaccine are seem to be getting infected. Notice they keep talking about Pfizer and not about the other two. So this this suggests this is exactly what you would anticipate is the the window of greatest susceptibility to antibody dependent enhancement is in this long tapering phase uh, as the vaccine response declines. And uh, I think Dr. Fauci is being very disingenuous. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we could say he's lying, whatever. There's 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 miss. You know, I'm, I'm accused of being now an anti-vaxxer and promoting disinformation. But to my eyes, the government is obfuscating what's happening here. And I, I don't mean to sound alarmist, but what it seems to be rolling out is the worst case scenario where the vaccine in the waning phase is causing virus to replicate more efficiently than it would otherwise, which is what is we call antibody-dependent enhancement. That's what the word is. And people have been warning about this uh, since the outset of, of this rushed vaccine campaign. I, I want to go back um, and, and just make sure that we're this is understandable to people. Number one, and I say this every time, but not only are you not an anti-vaxxer, you have dedicated your entire life to, to, to safe vaccines. Is that not correct? In every level of your professional life, both both researcher, inventor, uh, commercial opportunities, government work, all that, your entire life is in support of trying to get vaccines that, that help mankind, correct? I'm the opposite of an anti-vaxxer. I'm a true believer. But I'm also so, committed to safety and good science. And what is – that's what I want to go back. I want to go back to – you've warned about this. You're saying we're in the worst possible situation in which, if I can put it in layman's term, remember I got a C or D in, in bi my last biology class in prep school like my sophomore year, um, that this – actually the way this virus is structured, the way this virus was rolled out, the, the, or excuse me, the vaccine – is that it actually exacerbates uh, susceptibility to the virus, particularly mutations. Is that a layman's, is that correct? 
Okay, so the mutations is another uh, misleading set of statements from Dr. Fauci. Uh, the escape mutants that are escaping vaccine selectant pressure are most likely developing in the people that have been vaccinated, not in the unvaccinated. So that's just a con another convenient lie. Um, uh, but antibody-dependent enhancement can be influenced by escape mutants. But I suspect what we what what the data are suggesting, if they're if they're validated. So I only have this NBC News report from an unnamed government source. But if, if it's easy enough to get titers in patients that have been vaccinated versus those that have not been vaccinated that are infected with uh, SARS-CoV-2, in this case, Delta variant. <clears throat> and if those data verify that the titers are higher in the blood with those that have been vaccinated compared to those that have not been vaccinated, that would be the smoking gun to demonstrate antibody-dependent enhancement of virus replication, and that would typically correlate with disease. So, so that's where we're at, is these preliminary signals being disclosed by unnamed government officials suggest that we're there in the worst-case scenario that the vaccine community has been warning about since the beginning of the outbreak because it's been the history of all other coronavirus vaccine development programs in humans and in most of the animals so i don't know what else to say this 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 uh it you know this is another one of those it looks like a duck it walks like a duck it quacks like a duck it's probably a duck but we got to prove it if you're down in the kennedy room if you're in the national security Council uh, conference room today. In fact, seeing these guys come in, they're having a, a, a discussion. We got a minute here. We'd love to hold you over. Uh, and, they, and they come around the table, and you see the evidence as you think it is. What is your recommendation to the task force about what needs to be done now, both from practical um, uh, actions and messaging? Let, let's take the actions first. What would you recommend they do right away? We got a minute. We'll hold you over the break, but in a minute, just what, what actions do you think need if, to be if taken this is, today? If, if the data are consistent with ADE, we have to stop the vaccine campaign. Um, we have to pivot to expediting as much as possible drug treatments, which have been largely blocked and suppressed at the FDA level, particularly for repurposed drugs. And it's not just my experience with the DOD that this is happening. I hear it again and again and again from other sources that they're they're if they're working on drugs unless they're part of the active trials which is the nih sponsored yeah, trials that are really paid for by gates dr um, malone i'm a whole i'm a, hang on for a second before i bring back but but hang on real quickly you just said that which is so powerful but biden's going to go up on stage tomorrow and say we need back they're sending emails out to i've had so many hundreds of people come they're sending emails out tomorrow he's going to say all four million government employees have to get vaccinated how can you have what you're sitting there and they're saying they have to get back? Hang on. Don't give me an answer. We're going to hold over the break. I'm going to leave the audience hanging on this one. This is a catastrophe. And you're hearing it from an individual who invented the mRNA and has dedicated his life to vaccines. He's the opposite of an anti-vaxxer. All right. That was from five months ago. So it shows you that he's, he's been pretty accurate in what he's been saying. For the last few months, got another clip to play of uh, Robert Bourne. And two seconds. Uh, 
Just from the war room again. Dr. Malone came on here a couple of weeks ago, right? It's explosive observations backed up by analysis that uh, the vaccine actually exacerbated, in many cases, the problem, the virus, okay? The, ever since then, has been a mad rush, and we kept saying, and we know they focus on the show, that on August 15th, when school goes back, that's when the firestorm is really going to start. Because even many parents who have been vaccinated will not allow, given the information's out there, particularly the fact that it's just under emergency use authorization, they want to see a regular FDA process. So on Monday, we're hearing, and the New York Times is leaking, on Monday, the FDA is going to come out, and they're going to give authorization, I think, for the... For just, the Pfizer. Just, just Pfizer. Just Pfizer. Just Pfizer. But we've had now reporting from all over the world, and Patrick Wood uh, at the Technocracy website, one of the smartest guys out there has been all over this. I know Frank Gaffney's alerts me, all the, the people that uh, alert me to what's the, the hottest thing out there. Patrick's been all over this. So you got a European site. Now there's some updated numbers of that. There's been a, a U.S. site. Dr. Malone's been on Tucker to say, hey, nobody had a problem with these numbers before. Are they, although they are raw numbers, they never had a problem before, but now they're showing stuff that they don't want to talk about. They're all wrong. I want to ask you, Dr. Malone, and, and Patrick Wood's still with us, but I've got to ask you, why is this a normal FDA? Pro- I thought the FDA process to authorize vaccines. And here's my thing. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm very vaccine hesitant because I was taught in this thing. When we started war and pandemic, the herd immunity came, came from really having uh, the virus and building up antibodies. And that was what was going to get us through it. Now, all of a sudden, they don't talk about herd immunity. And in fact, in New York City, if you've had the virus, that doesn't get you off the vaccine passports. Is this process with the FDA, have they run a process that is not going to just crush the institution and have people question all vaccines. So I'm not privileged to what they've been evaluating, the Pfizer package. I uh, spoke to them about this a couple months ago. They have a whole new package than the one that got leaked from Japan. But uh, it does seem uh, there's the appearance that there's political pressure to get the Pfizer-approved ASAP for uh, various strategic and tactical objectives. Well, the strategic objective would be to take to take the take the the, the the women are thinking of going on strike on a nationwide strike on 13 September. We just had the two of the women on here are organizing that to, to basically cut, cut funding to the schools. The reason they want to do this is about the adolescents and then the children. It's about it's about the vaccines for those. Correct. Yeah, and also giving cover to universities and to the various businesses and to the hospitals to enforce vaccination. You've also got a lot of revolts going on with nurses right now and healthcare personnel that are not happy about being forced to take a vaccine that only provides about 39% protection. The the fold efficacy for protection against infection is about 39% with Pfizer. 39%, that's in the Forbes article, correct? Correct. Can we pull that Forbes article up? Let's pull the headline. I want to make sure everything that Dr. Malone's talking about here is backed up by either research or a news story that cites a fact. So walk me through, how do you get FDA approval? Look, I'm a simple guy. I don't understand. How do you get FDA approval on something that's only got 39% efficacy? I, I don't understand the logic. Uh, it, it This is not a particularly effective vaccine. I think they're going to cover by saying, well, it's protecting against death and disease, even though it's not protecting against infection and spread. 
walk us through that again. So there's the, this disease has two parts to it. There's the virus infection, replication, and transmission. That's separate. The disease is your body's hyperinflammatory response to that. And so uh, this vaccine is, and remember, unless you're really elderly, your probability of getting disease or death is in in the range of 0.001%, okay? It's extremely low, your event rate, if, particularly if you're under 50. If you don't have some comorbidity like diabetes or bad or, heart. Or, or morbid or obesity or something yes. like that. Uh, so, so they've got a problem. What they do is they aggregate the deaths and disease across the whole population when the truth is it's all clustered in the, in the elderly and those with high risk. So these vaccines are not protecting against the infection very well at all. It's still spreading. That's the importance of that CDC slide deck that was leaked to the Washington Post, yeah. which is that they show clearly, and that was assuming an even better efficacy for infection than, exactly. than is now being shown. They show clearly, even with the best practices of masking and 100% vaccine uptake, they cannot stop the spread of Delta. It will infect it will spread no matter what they do. Now, what they haven't done is enable therapies for people that can be applied uh, in outpatient environment, and that's what we really ought to be doing. But we'll talk about that later. We're talking about those are solutions. Uh, one question I want to ask Patrick Wood to stay over. We're going to get everything jammed into the second hour. Um, if they come up with FDA approval on Monday for Pfizer, what does that mean for Moderna and the others? Is that are they going to stop trying to push that? Or, that is an excellent question. I mean, how do we do this when one is approved, and then the most controversial is always the one that you're the you're the you're the you're the, you're the lead scientist that invented the messenger RNA? Yeah, what, what, I, is it, what I, happens? I, that is exactly what's been on my mind: is what happens if they approve Pfizer and they haven't approved the others? In theory, that should make it so the others can't be used. This is my point. Look, this is not my line of country. But correct me if I'm wrong. If FDA approves a vaccine, doesn't that make all the other experimental ones, although on emergency use, should be full stop, full engines all stop, until and you just push the Pfizer? That's the way I read the emergency use authorization guidance. And furthermore, that EUA guidance says the efficacy has to be 50% or greater for EUA, which we're not meeting right now. Well, how can you get – but by the way, the, is, is the 39% the is off which one? Is that off the, is that off the uh, Pfizer? Pfizer? So how can you get, if 50% is for emergency use, uh, how can you have some of this 39% that gets full approval? I, 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 it sure seems like the rules just don't matter anymore. I mean, you're a vaccinologist. You've dedicated your life to this. Have you ever seen anything like this in no. your life? Have your colleagues seen anything like this in their lives? I, I, the ones that I speak to are, are perplexed. It just doesn't make sense. There's a whole lot of things here that just don't make sense. Okay. All right, that's from August. <clears throat> so it was just before uh, the community was, was, was approved, uh, the uh, BioNTech version of the Pfizer jab or whatever you want to call it. So I've got one more clip. Uh, so we're tracking from July, August, and then this is the following week after approval. So let me set this up.
So this is from the end of August now. Confused because of CNBC and everybody's running around with Pfizer, 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 Pfizer. When you look at the letters the way you've broken them apart, these two letters, they've actually, and I want to go back to what you said about the data, there's really no data, but they've authorized the use of a vaccine. Does that vaccine currently exist? If I want to walk down, not that I'll do it, but if I want to walk down to the doctor and get a vaccine, can I actually get the one that the quote unquote has this kind of sketchy, shady FDA approval? Is that available right now to the best of your knowledge, sir? It's absolutely not available. So the, the little trick that they've done here is they have issued two separate letters for two separate vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine, which is what is currently available, is still under emergency use authorization, and it still has the liability shield. The, 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 once again, the mainstream media has lied to you. I'm sorry to say that. I know it's a shock to this worship. But the, the product that's licensed is the BioNTech product, which is substantially similar but not necessarily identical. It's called uh, Comirnaty. I think that's how it's pronounced, and it's not yet available. They haven't started manufacturing it or labeling it, and uh, that's the one that the liability waiver will no longer apply to. So the one that's actually licensed is not yet available, and when it does become available, it will no longer have the liability shield. In the interim, the one that does have the liability shield is the Pfizer product, and that's what's currently available, and it's still under emergency use authorization. So that's no change. Okay. The press has just not done their work and figured out what's actually yeah. going on here. Fine, but that's where we have geniuses like you. I just want to make sure I, I, something's clear to the audience. And we're, we're, look, we're trying to be fair to the FDA in this whole process, the CCP virus. Um, the emergency use authorization, as it currently stands by the FDA for Pfizer, does not allow its use for children under 16. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. The this uh, the, the the overall blanket uh, approval for the uh, for the for the other one for BioNTech or whatever it's called the one that's not fully done yet. Does that include? Is the way you read it that does not include uh, a full FDA authorization until at least 2023 or 2024 when these other studies are completed correct that's the way i read it that seems to be the way it's written and by the way in terms of the timelines i just wanted to go back to that um there's a statement that the bla acknowledges so that's the 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 license for uh um the BioNTech product here's the language the bla acknowledges long-term myocardial issues with a five-year follow-up which is consistent with the lower range of long-term follow-up for gene therapy products it appears that, that banging on them that they haven't applied the gene therapy checklist may have succeeded, and they appear to now, without acknowledging it, being starting to apply the requirements that are applied for gene therapy products. But, but in terms of the cardiac issues, they acknowledge that the myocardial issues will require a five-year follow-up. But once this, is, once this is in place, can the, the FDA would then have to come back an issue, an emergency use authorization for this for the second one for children, correct? That's clearly not done right now. Is that correct? 
I, I would imagine that what they will do is an emergency use authorization for the pediatric population for Pfizer. So that will keep Pfizer indemnified because that's something that Pfizer has been seeking in all of their worldwide contracts with other governments is full indemnification. They will not sell you vaccine unless you waive liability if you're a government head of state or whatever. So that's the Pfizer position is we don't want to own the liability here. And, you know, that, that raises the question, what is it they're so scared about? If these are fully safe vaccines, why does Pfizer believe that it has to have liability protection? Okay, um, we're going to, this coming Saturday, we're going to have Dr. Peter Navarro. Dr. Peter Navarro has been on a leave. I know you haven't seen him on the war room lately. He's going to start coming back on the show here the next couple of days. So we'll be explaining a big announcement of Dr. Peter Navarro, and you'll, uh, and you'll see that in the next couple of days. This Saturday, we're going to do a special, Dr. Malone, Peter Navarro, and others. We're going to really pursue this idea of putting together this independent advisory committee like the FDA has, but did not, in their own letter, they did not take it to the advisory committee because they said, well, we didn't see any problems. So we thought all the data said it was fine to us. We'll have the independent advisory committee, and we'll then set up through our website and others that people can make public comment, just like the process should be run. What we want to do is make sure the process is run like the process should be run. Uh, Dr. Malone, we got about uh, a minute and a half. Any other closing comments, observations, people think of? We look forward to having you back. Next couple of days, you've become a real, uh, a real, you know, real anchor to windward here to our audience. And any following <laughs> observations, what people should do? Nice metaphor. Uh, I, I still would love to be able to bend the dialogue towards what Peter and I rolled out in the Washington Times a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was two publications out from Cell Press, one from an extremely high-profile immunologist, Michael Diamond and vaccinologist at Washington University in St. Louis that basically validate the key points that Peter and I were making, that by forcing everybody to take vaccines, we're setting up a situation in which we will be selecting for a uniform uh, immune response across the entire human population, which is akin to the logic of monocrop agriculture wherein if you have something that can exploit that now, if the virus evolves to escape that highly tuned immune response, it's just going to rip through all of us. And we're no longer going to have the protection for the elderly and the high risk that the vaccines do afford. So so Doctor, stay tuned, yeah. and, and I look stay forward to, to, uh, to Saturday's session. Oh, Dr. Malone, finally, the, the, uh, yeah. the, uh, all this document and all these analyses – are available on the Twitter site at RWMaloneMD, and uh, they're also available on our website at RWMaloneMD.com. Okay, sir. Thank you. We're going to put in the live chat. All right, so that's that's the last of my main clips from, from, from July and August. Worth reviewing because it's the end of the year. Uh, I want to review a few people and see who's been most accurate. And then I'll know who to track next year. But Robert Malone's definitely on that list. And we're coming up to 28 minutes now. So I'm going to close up. And just say thanks for listening. And uh, please subscribe. Share the podcast with your friends. Share it with anybody who you think might be interested. I appreciate your support. Uh, if you can make a donation. Then I've got a Patreon account. Which is Radio Project. Uh, you can make a donation there and uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you again soon.